Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, hey, hey. It feels weird taping on a different day. How are uh, you? Yeah, I'm not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and by the way, hi, I'm Tiffany. What's up, y'all? Mandy. And this is Brown Ambition. Yeah, it does feel like weird. I'm like, wait, it's not Tuesday. What's happening? This is my, oh. I, I've been doing my, Sundays have been my, um, I get my writing done day. It's the only day of the week when I can actually do anything. But today I was all messed up. I had back-to-back bridal showers this weekend. Really? Like, yeah. Tis the season. Yeah, they just happened to be on the on the same weekend. So one yesterday in Brooklyn and one today is a lot of fun. But I, I did overdid it on the champagne just a little bit. Just a <laughs> you, little bit. I can't even, I can't even overdo even like a sick. My body is so, ugh, I don't drink at all. So I can smell alcohol and be on the floor. <laughs> I just love a nice bubbly on a Sunday. Okay. With a little, little poached egg. It was quite nice. Um, uh, I came for my, um, my, my niece's first birthday and my dad was like, no alcoholic beverages. I'm like, daddy, it's a one-year-old birthday party. <laughs> Listen, I've been to some lit one-year-old birthday parties so. though. Some some parents know how to party. Was there was there a bouncy castle? What was the? I feel like no, birthday parties are so wild really now. She had it at our. We have a zoo, a cute little zoo called Turtleback Zoo, and like everything was animal themed. And then afterwards, we took a little tour of the zoo. So oh, there's a zoo in Newark. I didn't know that. No, well, no, it's actually in West Orange, which is like maybe like two two towns over. Uh, okay. Yeah, but it's really cute, and I was like, oh, this is a cute little. I mean, of course, she cared nothing for it because you know she's one. But um, yeah, it was like it was fun because I was like, oh, this is nice. Because sometimes people go really, really super big for first birthdays, and I feel like I mean, who knows when I have a baby, if like what I'm gonna do. But I feel like I'm gonna be like, um, come to the house, we're cutting cake, and there'll be some pizza. It's a lot of pressure. <laughs> it's not just like the financial, like the the. It costs a lot of money to just throw a party. But then, I've been to um a first birthday party that felt more like a wet bridal shower. Where there were like centerpieces and buffet and open bar and I've been to and then there's the ones where it's not just the party itself but you have to they they have first birthday photo shoots now where no they don't yeah no you haven't seen these I I, I must have like half a dozen cards that I get in the mail from first birthday photo shoots yeah you like you pay a photographer and you go to a studio and you they you put them in a ridiculous outfit and then they there's like the cake smash video where you actually like prepare it. Like the photographer includes a cake in it and you, it's just photos of the baby like 
smashing the cake apart <laughs> and then just like sometimes crying or whatever. Yeah, it's the first. I'm like, how does how much does this cost? Dang, like my dad would just take some pictures on his camera, you know, at the most. Well, your dad, your dad's also a really good photographer, so. Yeah, you know, he had a nice camera, but I mean, it's just, it's, and you know, it's, you know, if that's your thing, that's totally fine. If that's how you want to capture your child's, but it just feels like everyone's doing it now and more like, you know, once that becomes the trend, then like, you don't want to be that one. I guess you, the, it's like that pressure, that social pressure to have yeah. that fantastic first birthday sure. cake smash photo and all any that. Names. We'll just call her fancy girl, but one of my friends, when her son turned one, she had like a logo made and it was like monogrammed on his cupcakes. It was now <laughs> she's like, yeah, I might have went overboard now. He's three now, but she's like, <laughs> I was like is, this a, is this a logo? It was his, it's his first oh, middle God. and last initial. It was team too damn much. I was like, girl, she's like, I look back at it now. Meanwhile, like he, um, his, he just turned three and like, literally she's like, come to the house for cutting cake and there'll be some pizza. She's like, I've learned. I'm beyond that point right now, which I thought was hilarious. But yes, uh, a logo, a logo. <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard enough keeping a tiny human alive. All the other extra stuff, and like, and then there. I mean, I don't know. I'm. I don't know if I'm ready for this. The whole like culture of mommyhood, parenthood these yeah. days. You know, the play dates, and you know, you get invited to their party, and then you got to invite them to your party, and uh, it's like keeping up with the the parent Joneses. Um, yeah. I want. I got a couple. We got a question from someone actually who are. Not, it wasn't even any question. It was just a, a response to you know last week we had on Tasha Danielle who talked about her debt freedom story. You know, debt free by age thirty. She paid off eighty thousand dollars in debt, and um, one woman had written in and said that um, you know if you're a single parent, it's even harder, and that you know she feels like a lot of, um, which doesn't. I mean, I think there are some really good debt stories of of families who got in out of debt. She she was just mentioning how she felt frustrated because she felt like a lot of advice was geared toward, or a lot of success stories were also people who you know didn't have kids or you know you know earned a decent uh, earned a decent income and she was like I don't feel like my situation's represented. Um, yeah. We did. Know who, who know who talks about that though? Um, Emma, I think Emma Johnson. She actually has a brand called Wealthy Single Mommy. Mm-hmm. Where she she kind of like that's her that's her thing is like you're right that that's not typically represented and she was like no like I was a single mom I believe Emma has two kids and got a divorce and you know just struggled financially and figured you know figured it out you know the hard way and then since then she's like I'm gonna come back for all my single mom sisters and so you might want to look into that because you're right you know that that's often that's not often the story the success story that you hear, but they're out there, you know, wealthy single mommy, definitely. And she's dope and she's irreverent and she's hilarious. She actually has a book. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she's hilarious and she cusses and fusses. And I think she's just, she's like super, a super fun, um, off the cuff financial expert. Yeah. Her book is called the kick-ass single mommy. Um, no, yeah. Kick-ass single mom, I think is what the book is yeah. called. Mm-hmm. Um, but there we had also on, maybe we should do this. We should run this episode again. We had Aja McClanahan on the show, uh, a year or two ago. She was from Chicago and her and her husband have two young girls and they had paid off an enormous amount of debt. I think it was, I don't know. It was, it was tens of thousands of dollars of debt, um, while, you know, purchasing a house and all that kind of stuff. So the stories are out there, but I see what you're saying with feel you. I was raised by a single mom. I know the struggle. Um, keep, keep hanging in there. It's, it's, if it's hard enough on your own, obviously it's a lot harder when you have a tiny human who doesn't care about your budget. 
yeah to take care of definitely but thanks you for know, thanks for your email you know who um inspired me a lot um so uh kevin uh, matthews the second he's one of our financial friends he's a brown Brown is like, a, we have a group of financial. He's a brown. <laughs> we have a group of financial folks. We have a Facebook group of financial folks and we collectively kind of get together and talk about how we can serve our community better as it relates to financial education. And we, we call ourselves the Browns because everybody in the group is some level of Brown, like, you know, and, um, and so he just had a baby and literally while his wife is upstairs in labor, he comes downstairs to do a quick video and says, Hey, my son's being born at this very moment, and I have decided that I want to make sure that by the time he retires, he will be a millionaire. And here's how I'm going to do it. And I was like, ooh, tuning in. And he he had a... a, a Wait, a while his wife's in labor? Upstairs. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Listen, I know Kevin. Kevin, go be with your wife. We yeah. know you. We well, know you I didn't know, just I think decide. She labor, so she hadn't quite started, but she was at the <laughs> okay. hospital ready to give but birth. But still, yeah. I, I would smack that phone out of his hand. <laughs> it's nice, like, though. He, Good, you know, nice feeling. Nice, nice thought. In the room with her, but he had some really great advice. And his <laughs> advice, he he showed this chart that I've seen before. I think we, if you ever spoken to a financial advisor, they almost always show you the chart, which is, um, it's a it's a chart that kind of shows the the power of compounding interest. Where if you start investing early versus later versus later versus later, how much you have to save. Um, so here's how the chart works. If so, this is what Kevin's doing. Like uh, on average, the market does about eight percent. You know, over I don't know a thirty year span. Um, so he said if he sets aside starting now at birth two thousand dollars a year for his son, so that's about a hundred something dollars a month. Um, two thousand dollars a year for his son, he could literally stop contributing to that custodial account. Um, at age 10, he said between 10 and 15. And then by the time his son was ready to retire, that money will have grown to uh, about a little over a million dollars. And I was like, what? He just did a really quick, it wasn't like some super in-depth lesson, but he was showing the chart. And I remember seeing that chart when I was 20 something and a financial advisor was trying to show me like, if you start putting aside $2,000 a year now, um, the difference between if I waited five years or waited 10 years, that you actually have to put put aside um, much more money longer in order to reach the same um, the same goal of a million dollars by the time you're 65 that if you start when your child is like literally an infant you don't have to put as much and you don't have to put as much for as long so I just thought that you know aside from the fact that he sh probably should have been upstairs I just thought like you know what it's just great that there are parents out there who are starting to think about that early that if I can put aside some money now um then I can set up my child's future and start building generational wealth. And, you know, it just things like, you know, a lot of people don't even know that there's something called a custodial account. I know parents like uh, Sandy from Yes, I Am Cheap and Dominique Brown, who is um, another financial um, expert. They they actually have Roth IRAs for their kids. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it, the way they do it, because they both are entrepreneurs, so they quote unquote hired their kids. And then their kids don't get the income. Instead, their income goes into a retirement account that gets to grow tax deferred. Well, no, well, yeah, gets to grow. No, not even tax deferred, tax free because the taxes are paid beforehand. That's what a Roth IRA is. And it's just I love seeing parents really figuring out the system so that way their kids don't have to struggle financially. Yeah, and there's there's five two nine plans, which with the tax reform, one of the benefits of that is that now you can use it for. It's sad because like in some. In some in some cities, it's like New York City. Like public schools 
are difficult to get into and then even then might still cost tuition or money or whatever. But, it, but now with the tax reform, you can use your 529 plan, which used to be just for college expenses and actually use it for K-12 through expenses too. So it's really? like, yep, yep, you can. I think it's up to 10000 or, I forget now, ten to $10,000 a year, I think, you could put toward um, K-12 through uh, tuition and fees. Although I still think it's crazy to pay for, you know, for school for your kid but uh it's just little georgia me who just went to the school down the street yeah exactly i'm like <laughs> yeah and i'm like well maybe i'll feel differently when i have kids but i'm like, sure I'm yeah like, i'm sure you know <laughs> i'm sure man uh, what else happened this week the fed oh the fed um you guys probably read the, this headline and if you're like me it took you several years before you finally were like what does that mean um excuse me the fed uh the federal reserve raised the federal funds rate this quarter, and they're planning on raising it every quarter this year. That's what's predicted. Um, and I just thought I thought that's worth mentioning, especially as you know, we were when we were buying our, um, getting our house, getting that process um, underway. We were trying to get a mortgage. We were, we were getting like you know pre-approved for mortgages and comparing rates and stuff. And in the back of my mind, you know, I'm thinking, man, mortgage rates are going up, like not just day by day, but hour by hour right now. Mm. Um, and that was a big reason why I, you know, it was, it was a little bit of a nudge just to like, go ahead, lock in your mortgage right now, um, because rates are getting higher. And sure enough, the Fed raised the federal funds rate. And this is the baseline target interest rate that the Fed sets. So like if your, if your, you know, your credit card, for example, is tied to the federal funds rate, um, when the federal funds rate goes up, your credit card rate is probably going to go up a little bit. Um, mortgage rates also go up, um. Those are, the, those are the negative things. So basically, the cost of borrowing gets more expensive. On the plus side, savings rates go up. So you may have noticed if you have like like me, I have Ally, a, yeah, Ally and Capital One Three Sixty, Marcus, all these online credit, um, sorry, online savings accounts over the last several months have been inching their rates up. It feels like once a month or something. Just you'll get a little bit of a bump up, um, and that's also because the federal funds rate is is getting higher. So they have they're sort of passing on that higher rate return to to customers which is a plus side um so there's like pros and cons to it but it's just something Mm -hmm. to think about especially if you're you know you're thinking about getting a mortgage um if you're ready to get a home and you're looking for a mortgage you know it's just a little bit more of a reason to uh to to maybe to start comparing rates now before they go up even higher because that is certainly where they are headed i'm just yeah they are I think that sometimes I'm like, oh, like just I, how do people have like, how does somebody get ahead? I just know so many people who are struggling financially. It's almost like, you know, that person that's like, but I am exercising and I am eating better and mm-hmm. I'm not losing weight, you know? And I feel like that with finances, there there's so many people who I know they're like, but I do work and I don't have cable and I don't get my hair done and I don't go out and yeah. I save, you know? And it's like, but I'm still struggling. And it's hard because it's true that you can do all the right things and still have a hard time, you know? Absolutely. Um, There's so many things that are, there's so many circumstances in your life that are necessarily in your control that will, that will, you know, that will manifest themselves themselves in your life later as an adult when you're earning things that you do, like where you live, who your parents are what their socioeconomic status was, man, there was this, there was this really amazing, um, amazing slash sad New York times infographic. I think it was up last week 
Um, and you can see, you can see basically it was, it was a, it was a comparison of African American men and women, but mostly, um, specifically men, um, who grew up in a higher income household versus white men who grew up in a higher income household. And you saw the infographic, the dots representing both black and white men in higher income households. You saw them move across the screen and then you saw the black men dropping down because that's the trend. Like even if black men are born into a higher income mm -hmm, household, they're more likely to drop off into lower and like more likely to become poor later in life. Um, and women, there was no... Women, um, sorry, African-American women versus Af versus white women in higher income households, there wasn't much, you didn't see that major drop off. Um, but yeah, just, I mean, it's just one more reminder that, you know, it's hard to put your finger on what it is. But to me, that's just more proof that to be an African-American man in this country, you're just born with a disadvantage. It is, it's sad and, and true. Um, but you can't look at someone and just say, oh, you know, you can't you can't look at someone who's struggling and just be like, oh, you must have done something wrong. You know, it's your fault. Yep. You need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Yeah. You know? In some cases, that's true. But in a lot of cases, you know, it's you, just not sorry I mean, for being brown, like sorry for being black, sorry for being a man in this country. For real. I, well, I remember it was never more poignant to me than when I started teaching in Newark. Because, right? I mean, all my life I'd gone to like, you know, for the most part, I mean, when we were really little, you know, we were probably the poverty level, but, you know, and I would say lower middle class and then middle class eventually. And so, and I, you know, I didn't realize just how, um, how little resources other communities had until like I, I went from Westfield and that's where I mostly grew up and I started teaching in Newark and I was just like, wait, like the three and four year olds, I remember being like, how do you function in this dysfunction? Like just walking down the street was like, I mean, I would walk down the street and like one of my uniform was a nursing uniform. Like we had to wear scrubs because you're playing preschoolers. They wanted you not to worry about your clothes. So I'd walk down the street like during my lunch break in my scrubs and men would proposition me and assume I was a prostitute in my scrubs. And mm -hmm. I'm like, wait, what? Because where I work was, was the, the area was really just not a good area. Mm. And um, and just hearing gunshots and having to run inside with the kids. And I remember us playing at the park and one little boy said, Miss Tiffany, Miss Tiffany, I got poked. And I was like, oh, oh, that's okay. You want to kiss your boo-boo? He said, no, no, I got poked by a needle. And I'm looking at him like, wait, my heart started racing. I'm like, well, maybe he doesn't know. Maybe it's a stick. And then I remember his, his mom worked at the clinic and like he just might know what a needle looked like. And so he pulled me over and I looked at his little finger and the, the the little spot of blood that came up was like a perfect circle. That wasn't a scrape or a scratch. And sure enough, he showed me that there's this needle on the ground, that this is where at night at the park, this is where folks shot up and someone had left their needle and this little boy got poked. Yo, I, I wanted to like, I didn't even know what to do. We raced him back to the school, called his mother, called the emergency. I didn't know what to do. So for like, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I, you know, he got tested right away, but he has to get tested for the next, or he had to get tested for the next couple of years out of his life. But can you imagine, like, you can't tell me that that's a fair start, mm -mm. you know? And so eh, it's just, it was too much. After 10 years, I was like, okay, I can't do this. You know, it was like a toll on my spirit, but I had a choice not to be there anymore. And a lot of these kids don't have these choices um, not to be there. A lot of their parents don't have the choice not to be there. And from that, that, that economic disadvantage starts there. 
and how do you dig your way out, especially if the tools or resources are kept from you. So that's why it's, it's like the, it's that instinct as a, as a parent, you know, my mother moved us out of um, a bad neighborhood, you know, a a big reason my parents got divorced was this tug of war between where where we were going to grow up. And my dad wanted us to keep us close to family, close to where he grew up um, in not the greatest areas. Um, There's a lot of crime and poverty. And my mom was like, I don't, you know, she didn't want that for us. Um, We ended up moving to the suburbs, um, you know, and, and, good schools and all that, but that, that like desire to get out and find better opportunities for your kids elsewhere. I mean, it was not as extreme. Obviously we were not, we moved half an hour away and had a better life. We already live in this country and we could do that, but you have so many like these immigrants who are trying to come into America mm-hmm. just because they just want to reach for something better. Um, because you know, they, 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 they have, it's not their, by, by no fault of their own. They're in an environment that's not, you know, conducive to success or health or a good livelihood. And, it's, I feel like it's just, everyone should, it's, you know, it, it's idealistic, but everyone should have that, should have that opportunity. And the sad truth is that, is that they don't. And I guess, you know, for someone who's thinking, you know, what can I do? It's, you know, reach out in your own community and maybe reach out to someone who you know is struggling and be that helping hand for them. Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Oh, yeah. this life. <clears throat> the ups, the downs, the ins, the outs. Speaking of the yin and the yang, are you ready to brown break and brown boost? Sure. I can boost and brown. Boost and break. I'm actually going to break. It's kind of lighthearted, but I did an IG story on it, and um, I think I'm going to extend it here. So a friend of mine, I'll call her Georgia. Um, she hit me up. She said, I thought you would get a giggle out of this message somebody sent me. So Georgia has a Facebook group for women, and um, I won't say specifically what, just in case like the person who did this to her is listening, but I don't know. Let's just say it's for facials or whatever. And um, so Georgia posts, um, hey, you know, everybody's wanting more facials. Here's an app that I use that helps me save money so I can, so you guys can save and get more facials. So the app is a referral link. Because it's like, there's like, like apps, like, for example, like Digit that I really like. They also sometimes offer a referral link or they'll give you like five bucks for every person that signs up from your link. Like, again, this is Georgia's group, Georgia's business, not just a Facebook group. It's her business. So somebody in her group also posts their referral links and a few of them. And then she being nice, hits the woman behind the scenes and says, hey, um, you know, you, you can't post your referral link, you know, so I just wanted to let you know. And the woman said, oh, well, if I have to delete mine, you should delete yours. Meanwhile, Georgia's business, Georgia's group. And Georgia says, mm, what makes you say that? She was like, well, how come you can make money, but I can't? And she's like, well, we use the 
we use the um, the money from the from the referrals to do the giveaways. Like when you guys win, because Georgia does giveaways. Like when you guys win free money or to- or prizes or whatever, that's where we get the money from. And um, the the woman, the, the you know the group person was like, oh, so as long as you're not benefiting personally. So, ma'am, what what was your intention? Can you imagine? Mm-hmm. So she first of all, I told Georgia, you you you're too nice to me because I mean, and maybe I was like that before too. But like, what? I could. She said, "Great, glad to hear you'll be using any personal gain from those referrals to go toward events and giveaways." Georgia can use that money to literally wipe the bottom of her shoe. It's her business. Do you ask the owner of McDonald's? So when you sell these burgers, like, where's the money going? Oh, okay. Well, you know, because I don't. I would hate for you to benefit. Like you, you. It's my brown break. Is please stop going in other people's businesses. And try to reap where you do not sow. I just don't understand, like, why that's such a huge concept. Because there used to be women who used to literally fight me in the group and say, I don't understand why you you won't let. So only you can make money here. And I'm like, well, one, this group doesn't make me any money. Like, this group, it costs, I pay people to run this group. And I was using my referral link money for that, too, to like just to like and it wouldn't even cover most of the time, you know, especially when I first started. But it was just enough so I can like pay some folks to be in here regularly so that way I could keep the group open because I just couldn't manage it on my own. But even if I was using the referral money for something more, it it's part of my overall business. Are people not allowed to make money in business? It's like if you you wouldn't go to a McDonald's and set up your barbecue in the parking lot and say, well, McDonald's, you know what? It's smart to set up my barbecue here because one, McDonald's has done the work and like building the space. Two, McDonald's has clearly scoped out this location and knows that there's a lot of high traffic. You know, McDonald's, people are already coming in for food. So it's a perfect location to take from where somebody has put the work in. You would never do that, but you would do that to a small business. One, McDonald's wouldn't let you. Two, you would never dream of doing that. Like, And I don't know why people think that they can park in other people's small businesses and then reap the money. I, I know, girl, that this is a great place for you to upsell your credit. Like, I know. I mean, I've built this brand, like, blood, sweat, tears, money, time, energy, I just don't like I it blows my mind when people are literally upset that you won't let them solicit in your group. And I'm like, when you have literally your own Facebook page where you can post whatever you want, you don't have to post it. Like, see, that old Tiffany used to feel really bad and try to explain myself. Now my blog game is strong. Some of y'all in my inbox right now, like, Tiffany, can I come back? I don't read it. I don't I don't I don't look at my other inbox. So once you're blocked, like, I don't know, girl, dead to me. Like, because you know better. When groups first came out, I could understand the confusion. But groups are old now. And, um, you know, it's like everyone literally has the same rule. Positivity in the group. um, And don't solicit. Everyone has that rule, unless it's a group specifically for, like, sharing, like, your specific business. And if you don't adhere to that, you know, like, you know, maybe you'll run into a nicer group member who will just mute you or just, like, give you a warning. I don't give warnings. I block. I'm like, oh, you want to? Okay. Oh, okay, block. Because the rules are posted every hour on the hour. They're scheduled. Everybody's always like, girl, just block folks because we're all grown now. If you don't know, now you know. If you don't know, now you know. Now you know. (laughs) What about you? Are you going to boost or break? I have to do a boost. I have to acknowledge um, the March for Our Lives that's happening um, against gun violence all over the country. today. Yesterday and today, um, there's been protests, um, like organized protests all over the country to stop gun violence. And, of course, it was 
all incited by the Parkland um, um, uh, shooting at Marjorie Stoneman High School, or sorry, Mar Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, um, a couple back in uh, Valentine's Day in February. But just to see the kids, children, I mean, it's it's pretty, it's sad, but it's also so uplifting to see these small humans who are so smart and so, um, um, so, um, what's the word when you can speak really well? Articulate. Thank you. Something that I'm not right now. I'm not articulate. Um, there was one little girl everyone was really touched by. You know, one of the things that came up after the Parkland shooting was, um, you know, the children, the teenagers who became sort of the face of that shooting just happened to be, um, um, I think there was Emma Gonzalez, I think is Latina, but largely white. It's a largely white high school. And there was a lot of people who, you know, a debate sort of opened up, you know, that had this been a black high school, would it have a majority minority high school? Would it have been as much attention? Would all these celebrities have been donating? You know, obviously Black Lives Matter has been happening, you know, for years now, been, you know, trying to raise awareness um, um, about violence against African-Americans. And then at, at this march, there were some pretty noteworthy young, long, young black kid, black girl magic that was happening. And I think it was smart on the organizers part to not to sort of make right, I think, um, this lack of conversation around um, gun violence and violence against um, um, African Americans as well. So they had Martin Luther King's um, Martin Luther King the third his granddaughter spoke and she's like nine years old mm. um, and then there was a little girl whose whose speech already went viral a very short speech but very powerful I don't know who this girl is she's magic Naomi that Ni little girl Naomi Wadler yeah, yeah. Um, gave a speech and basically saying that she read off the names of some African American girls women who had been shot um, and murdered and said you know I'm here to rep represent these names who these voices of these people who haven't been heard or spoken about as much during all this conversation we've been having and it was beautiful you know she had a huge um, standing ovation so um, of course my 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 celebrity crush Lin-Manuel Miranda was out there giving you know he was performing and um, it's it feels like we're living in this like the 1960s and 70s all over again all this these marches and these protests every day but it's it's heartening to me to see um yeah the young people really leading the charge and i think that they're making progress where a lot of the grown-ups obviously haven't um so yeah i love that did you see the one with the young man said um he's like his speech was basically like no more he was like yo we're voting so like many yeah. of us are voting in 2018. If you think that, you know, that we're going to allow this to continue, think again. That's beautiful. I mean, that's the fear, right? That's the fear that these people will be mobilized and organized. They've, that's what they've always feared. The status quo is people in the status quo, the, GO, the GOP is the youth, you know, because they know that their generation's dying out. And, um, you know, the minorities are going to outnumber everybody by what a 2042 that's the estimated year it's happening it's coming and these kids are on the face of it now and that's that's awesome exactly boost and to I them love that exactly oh that was good see that was good i'm glad you went after me nice little boost after my ranting <laughs> let's keep it balanced <laughs> do we have a good question yes ma'am and you guys if you want to send us a question you know you can go to brandambitionpodcast.com um, drop us a note there at the Ask Us Anything tab. You can also email us at brianambitionpodcast at gmail.com to get in touch. And thanks so much. Um, I found a couple of good questions. Let's see if we can do a couple this week. Let's do two anonymous ones. So mysterious. Um, this question's from anonymous number one. Anonymous number one says, I recently found out that surprise, I'm pregnant. Congrats. 
My husband and I just bought a home in the Bay Area, which was no small mortgage, I imagine so. But we are otherwise very financially secure. We're in our mid-30s. We have good salaries and careers, no credit card debt, a little bit of student loan debt, no car debt. But a baby was never part of our life or financial plans. However, since we're taking a sharp left turn in doing this, I need some help. What are the top things I should be doing to save for this kid starting now? Ooh, girl. Um, well. Ugh, Are you doing any spe- – well, we just talked about Kevin Matthews um, yes. opening well, up a – You can start saving like – well, he – in order to have a custodial account, you're, you're, you, actually, you have to have a um, social security number. So he uh, – okay. You know, um, honestly, I would – like I'm going to pull myself out because I'm like I don't have kids. But I would do what I would normally do with any major – change that's going to affect my finances, I would start living at the new rate now. So I might, you might want to ask any friends of yours that have, um, you know, that just had babies, like babies that are under one years old, it to kind of get a gauge of like what the cost kind of looks like month to month on average and start setting that aside. So if they tell you, well, honestly, girl, I spend $2,000 a month on my baby. That's just how much it costs. That's what I've been spending. Then I would start setting aside two thousand plus a month because you're you're gonna have to spend it, you know, when the baby comes. So get used to living at that level now, and then you'll have a nice little, nice little, um, you know, bucket of savings. That's probably my my best advice. Yeah, I've um I've talked to financial planners about this question um secretly. So I am a I'm a planner header. No, I don't have a kid, but I, I, like you, also think, what can I do now so that I'm ready by the time I have a kid, I'll have some savings, yada, yada. I mean, I was saving for my wedding like five years before I had a wedding <laughs> just because, you know, and saving for a down payment years, like those things, it's great. The fact that you're even looking ahead is a big difference. There's people who can look ahead and plan ahead and there's people who live in the present and it really, it's, you've already sort of got that one element in your favor, the fact that you're thinking ahead, which is really good. Um, so for me, it's not so much about, you know, a baby fund, but it's what Tiffany said. It's, it's, it's actually learning to live on the, the, your new reduced budget that will happen once you have a kid. So think about the cost if you have to put your kid into daycare, um, when a part of your budget is going toward, I mean, diapers alone cost hundreds of dollars, um, food for your child, um, those types of expenses. You can, um, so a financial planner once told me that he advises couples but what, when they get first get pregnant or find out that they're pregnant to go ahead and start living on one income and see if they can make it work. Mm, I like that. Yeah. Um, and we've been living on, we've been, we've been doing the one income thing. This is, this is started in the last few months. I mean, we've, it's not that we were saving. It was the first time we actually said, okay, we're just going to do this. We're going to live off this one income and save the other. We were kind of saving about the same before, but it was like, you give a little and I give a little. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just much easier this way. Um, but, we, you know, we have that income going towards savings. And then, but my whole thing is, is not just can we live off one income if we were to have a baby, but, you know, could we live off one income if one of, if something were to happen to one of us, that's, important to me. And that's one thing that you could do now is maybe practice living on that one income and see if you can make it work or um, mm-hmm. at least at least drastically reduce it and then put that money aside in savings. And I mean, other than that, there's, you know, that's, that's, that's a lot more than a lot of people are, a lot of people are able to do anyway, in terms of planning for a kid, I think that will put you ahead. And then once the, once the baby anonymous is born, then you would, you know, you can set up a custodial IRA, you can open up a 529 plan. 
Um, my friends have 529 plans that actually run the birthday times or baptisms. Yep. They, they'll send the link around and you can, you can contribute to their 529 plan. It's almost like, I don't know, putting money in a savings account for their kid. You can just, you know, credit card, debit, whatever, and put money in it. That's nice. It's actually a nice little a way to give a present. And then you have 18 years to, to build that up. Yeah, the sooner you start, the better. Um, but no, I think there's isn't that book? Isn't there a book by Elizabeth Warren called the one? What was it called? The two income myth or something like that? Yeah, Lizzie Warren wrote personal finance books. I still find that really funny. I know Senator <laughs> Elizabeth Warren. Yes, she did. She had a she moonlighted as she used to be a bankruptcy professor, a bankruptcy law professor. I think that's where it came from. And then she wrote about yeah some a couple of books on debt. I didn't know there was a um a two income book though or sorry what was it one income no it's called something where she basically talks about like the myth that you really you're supposed to be living off one income it's called like the the something so just look up elizabeth warren two income i think it's called the two income myth something to that effect but i remember um a friend of mine read it and said it was really good um um so yeah you might want to look into that about like because i just think what that advice mandy gave you about trying to live off one income is really great advice thank you for your question anonymous all right, we have a we have an and congratulations on your baby. Yeah, it's exciting. Um, we have another anonymous question. This is also she's also um, find, she just found out she's pregnant, which is exciting too. But unrelated to her pregnancy, um, she says I'm 30 years old, married, one year old, and also pregnant. My husband and I are blessed to have a th- to have a thriving business together. We just moved into a new home and we're in the process of selling our last home. The only debt we have is our mortgage, my husband's car loan, and some credit card debt. Um, my question is, is there a suggested method for closing credit accounts once they've been paid off when you have so many or should you, or should you just keep them all open? It feels weird to have so many credit card accounts open and I feel like I should cancel them. Most of these cards are store cards like Victoria's Secret, Ann Taylor, Macy's, Best Buy. Do these cards factor differently? Good questions. So here's the factors that I would write down. One, whether it's a store card or regular card. Because store cards definitely should get canceled before regular cards. But then two, another factor um, is how long have I had the card? Because you're wanting, if you're going to close a card, you're going to want to close cards that are that are newer versus older. Because I believe, is it le- is length of credit history, is that 15% or 10% of your credit score? It's 10 or 15, I forget. I think it might be 15 and then the, um, the mix of your credit is 10. So I yes. think that's the 15% one, yeah. So length of credit history. So you're wanting to close, you're going to close, you're wanting to close the newer cards. But to me, the most important factor in closing cards is how will it affect your, um, um, your utilization rate? That's 30% of your score. So what that means is that, so let's just say I've got two cards and one of them is maxed out. So I have a hundred, both of them have hundred dollar limits. One has a hundred dollar limit and a hundred dollar balance, and the other I'm not using at all. Zero limit, but a hundred dollar. I mean, zero balance, but a hundred dollar limit. So one maxed out, one not used at all. So as it is right now, your your utilization, which is thirty percent of your score, is an average of your credit cards, right? So you've got a maxed out card and a not used card. So right now you are utilizing fifty percent of your available credit on your credit card. So fifty percent is already high. You really don't want to go over 30% utilization. Really, you want to be in like the 10, 15% range. But 30% is the max, max, max. If you close the unused card and you go from two cards to one card, 
Now, all of a sudden, you went from a 50% utilization to a 100% utilization, and you are definitely taking your score. Yeah. And so if you're going to close cards, I always tell people because they get so excited. They're like, I paid off a card. I want to close them. You know, I'm like, okay, well, let's do the math. Lay it all your cards. Write down all of your balances. Write down all of your limits. And do the math. If I close this card, what's my utilization? Okay, it's still 10%. If I close the next one, what will my utilization be? Okay, 20%. So you might want to stop right there until you pay off more and more of your cards. And so, you know. Yeah, you know, um, I used to use Credit Karma. On Credit Karma, they have a simulator tool. Ooh, I'm pretty okay. sure I'm pretty sure they still do. They'll tell you what will happen if you open a new card or close a card. I'm quite sure. I like that. Um, which is really handy. And she does, she does write a little bit more about her account. She says most of them have been paid off. Um, she just recently did a balance transfer. So a lot of the debts were paid off. And now she has these two newer cards that she opened up for the balance transfer offer. You know, a balance transfer is when you open up a new credit card that has an intro 0% APR period and you use it to transfer all the debts from other cards onto it and then pay it off. Now you have one card with one monthly payment. Um, and then she's thinking, you know, I'll close off these. Once these balance transfer cards are paid off, then I can close those off. Those are my newer cards. I mean, I think that she's thinking about it smart. Um, I mean, those those store credit cards, they don't necessarily hurt your credit any more than a, you know, a Chase Reserve card would hurt your credit, like a normal credit card. Um, but they may be, the only thing is they may be temptation for you. I would say just yeah. put them in the back of the closet. I don't think any of those cards have an annual fee. Victoria's Secret and Taylor Macy's Best, but I don't think they carry a fee. Put them in the back of the closet. I mean, they're not, they're not hurting anything. I, it does seem like a lot when you're looking at both you and your husband's credit cards put together. Um, but certainly if they're, if they're going to be tempting you, you want to, you know, get rid of them, maybe do that. You know, do what Tiffany said, you know, do the math, see what your utilization rate is, see if Credit Karma can help you, you know, simulate what your score might be if you do close those cards. If it's not the biggest hit and you can immediately, you know, flood your credit history with positive information from all your, you know, you're paying off your debts, obviously, with these balance transfers, you're making on-time payments, eventually you will come back from that, you know, closed credit card account ding that will happen, especially mm -hmm. if... You know, you just moved into a new home. You already have your mortgage. It's not like you need, you're about to take out a new mortgage and you need to have the best credit score right now. Um, I don't think that, you know, it's it's really a, it's a personal preference. And if it's going to make you sleep easier at night having these cards closed and you don't necessarily, you're not applying for any new credit right now and it doesn't matter if your score goes down, you know, a little bit, then, you know, go ahead and, and take the plunge. But if you just want to do the most logical thing for your score and keep that score as high as possible, then you know, keep the cards in a dark corner and, and, and don't charge them up and keep them open. Mm -hmm. Thank you for your question. That was a good question. And what? Oh, oh, anonymous. You didn't have to be anonymous. That was an easy breezy one. You never know. Some people are shy. That's um, true. Some people are like, mm -mm, my cousin is listening to this. She don't even know my business. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I want to be anonymous. I'm um, not going to lie. And uh, one, one really last quick question someone asked, actually, because on a previous show, I had mentioned an app that I love using called Level Money to okay. manage my money. It, it actually was acquired by Capital One 360. It was an awesome app. She's like, I looked it up recently and I couldn't find it. Is it still available to download? Sadly, it's not available anymore. They, these apps come and go so quickly. It's like as soon as I like one, they just shut them down. I guess they don't make a lot of money. You know, they're they're mm -hmm. obviously when your your customer base, you're trying to help them save money. They're not, they're not paying for the app. Um, anyway, yeah, Level Money sadly does not exist anymore. And she wanted to know if we recommend any other apps for budgeting. Um, she says she's tried Mint and she's not a fan. Um, mm -hmm. 
I sadly level, I'm, I'm just as sad as you are, level was my money app. And since level, I, I have downloaded personal capital, which is very similar to Mint. Um, it just has an interface that I, I'm, I'm not following my budget as, like, as closely as I was in the past, like every single transaction. What I like personal capital for now is just to get like a bird's eye view of where my money is going, you know. Oh, I spent, you know, 20% of my budget on restaurants last month. That's a lot. Like I need to cut back that type of information. Um, yeah, but I, I miss, I miss level. Yeah, I, you're right. These apps do kind of come and go. And I'm not gonna lie. I, I'm just good old fashioned Excel. Um, but yeah, I know So a lot of people, I feel like mint people either love it or love it or hate it, but you know what? How about this? I would love the BA listeners. If you're using like a budgeting app that you absolutely love. I've heard good things. You know, I've heard good things about, um, you, you need, why you need, NAB? You need yeah. a budget. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard good things. I haven't used it to be fair, but I can honestly say I've heard good things. People say good things about them. So you might want to check them out. Why NAB? You need a budget. That um, one costs, I believe. Okay. There's a fee. So it's not a very large fee, but it's an actual, it's, it's a, it's really good if you're trying to pay down a lot of debt and that's why you're budgeting because they, they, I think they do a zero sum budget. Um, method, you know, every dollar in your account goes toward a purpose kind of thing. Um, I like that. That's what I use. Yeah. You need a budget. That's, that's a good one. Yeah. And then if you have like BA listeners, definitely hit us up. We're on Facebook, Brown Ambition, Twitter, the BA podcast. Are we the BA podcast on Twitter? At the BA podcast. Yep. At the BA podcast, you know, but I would love, you know, because people ask all the time. So if you're using a budgeting app that you absolutely live for, Certainly tweet us or Facebook us. We'd love to share it. All right. Ready for some wins? I am. And my win, who child? I've been holding this. I've been waiting. This is for Wakanda. So it's official. Um, Black Panther is officially the highest grossing um, superhero, superhero movie in the United States of, of all time. That was my air horn. I mean, like, it wasn't what? very good. Right? I mean, that's, I mean, I don't even know what to say. Highest grossest in, in U.S. history. Black on black on black. Um, um, I feel like President Obama has one. Remember when he won? Everyone was like, my president is black. My <laughs> Lambo is too. I'm like, my movie is black. Yes. I mean, it's, uh, I don't even know what to say because it wasn't even like a kind of black movie. It wasn't even like, oh my God. There's a black superhero, but the rest of the movie is... No, no. This movie is... It could not have gotten any blacker. This movie is the Lemonade. Love, like 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 Beyonce's album, Lemonade, that was super blackly black. This movie is Michael Bay's in black. Okay. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> just, I had something to say, which is, can y'all go... Can you just stop going to see it? Because I want to see it again, but it's always sold out. <laughs> we tried to go again Friday. I was like, nah, bruh. Couldn't even get a seat. Really? Yes. I love that. <laughs> and what I don't. It does is like what it shows is that like you know the BS about like oh there's no money when you cater to us or not even just cater to us because we're not the only ones who saw it. It was it was just a good movie. I mean the, when they wrote down the statistics of like um, the people that went to see it, you know of course we came out in like record number, but we weren't the largest group of of people that that went to see the movie. It's just a good movie, and I just hope that this starts to signal. To Hollywood because you know nobody listens to anything but money these days so I hope that um the financial ramifications of having a movie like this will help to shift you know the type of things that are developed in the future but yeah this is just awesome honestly oh Shuri I just want to see you again I mean I just want to see the 
I just want to see everyone again. T'Challa, I want to see you again. Even even uh, Killmonger. We can hang. We can hang. I'm going to come see you guys. Well, you know, I don't think Killmonger is going to be in the next movie. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> that was, yeah, it was amazing. And I heard Ava DuVernay is directing another DC Comics like superhero movie. So it's it's all happening, man. I mean, it. I hope it continues. I hope it's not just a moment. I hope it's more than that. I hope it's a movement. Um, but I'm super excited too. Um, so my, my win really quick, I wanted to do a win for Lena Waithe, who is killing it on all levels and was just is gracing the cover of Vanity Fair magazine this month, which I don't know who's the last black queer woman you remember seeing on the cover of a magazine. Never. Oh, I could think of no one ever. Um, <laughs> so I just I think it means a lot to so many people what she represents. But the photos that were captured of her and her and her girlfriend um, in their apartment in LA, just living their lives. It was a different kind of photo shoot. You know, it wasn't the glamorous thing. And and all she's doing to represent um, black screenwriters in Hollywood is just fantastic. So. That's what I mean, man. Turning around, reaching beyond your circle. She's reaching behind her and pulling people up and making sure they get the opportunities, the chances, you know, that, that she, um, it took a long time for her to get. I think that's just beautiful. And um, I wish her all the success and all the badass magazine covers she can get. Yeah, honestly, it's just such a good time to be, to be brown. I mean, well, well good and bad but I mean the bad part has always been here so there's just an extra little boost to be brown right now and so yeah I'm feeling good I'm feeling good well go ahead enjoy the rest of your weekend and we'll see you guys next week yes we shall and by then I'll have been back from my romantic Jamaican vacation oh you're going to Jamaica yes I told Superman I said before we start this renovation I feel like I'm gonna need a little bit of R&R because the renovations on the house I'm sure like it's a new frontier. And so I found really um a really great deal on Orbitz. Um it's like five star, all inclusive. I was able to book our flights because we used the Chase card, Chase Venture. So I was able, we had enough points, so our flights were, were um I just used our points to for um to fly. And it was like forty five percent off or fifty percent off whatever the hotel normally is. So it was like five hundred bucks a piece or five fifty a piece for the hotel for Friday to Monday. And so I'm really excited because, you know, for 550 bucks, we get to enjoy paradise for a little bit. That sounds nice. Awesome. Yes. I'm sure I'll, I'll take lots of pics so everybody can be like, damn it, I hate you. Fabulous. And then <laughs> next episode, we will have Miss Art Steele on, who I spoke yes. with, a state attorney uh, extraordinaire. She's going to come on and answer a lot of good questions about life insurance, how to plan for, how to, this is a big thing, how to plan to give to pass generational wealth on to your children and your children's children. That is her message, and that is what we will be talking about on next week's show. Yay, art! Woohoo! Can't wait. All right. Have Bye. fun in Jamaica, Mon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye bye. <laughs>Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.